Well, good morning, everybody. I am Pastor AJ. Good to see you guys this morning. Um, we had a little bit of technical difficulty in, in our bumper, but I have a confession to make today. As a kid growing up, my dream was to one day become a professional wrestler. And any guys here like me, like you as a little kid, you had a dream one day to become professional wrestler, like one, okay, a couple of you guys, all right, awesome. I, I grew up in like the golden age, I guess, of pro wrestling, WWF in the 80s. I was a serious uh, Hulkamaniac. I took my vitamins every day. I said my prayers. Um, I also had all the wrestling action figures, if you remember any of those. I had Andre the Giant and Bret the Hitman Hart, the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I would even get onto my parents' king-size bed when they weren't looking and have wrestling matches with all their pillows and my stuffed animals, and I would drop the Macho Man elbow off the corner bedpost and just destroy the springs in their mattress. And then my parents would get into bed at night, and they would just kind of fold into the middle and then scream. Um, but I, I think if I ever became a pro wrestler, actually the music for like our bumper, that click, click, boom, would have probably been like my entry music and there would have been like pyrotechnics like going off behind me. One of these days, I really think we should do a man series. Leo, what do you think? With like a wrestling theme and the worship team could all wear wrestling tights. Do you like, what do you think? Leo, Leo doesn't seem to be too keen on that idea. You're a worship guy. You should be used to wearing tight things. All right. And, um, uh, and by the way, uh, Leo's wife, Kate, I love Kate. Kate, I love you so much. She sent me some pictures of Leo from back in the day. Do you guys want to see? You want to say, Leo actually, many of you don't know this, he was a professional bodybuilder. Uh, this is not a joke. That's Leo. He was a professional bodybuilder back in the day. You looked like a wrestler. Like you looked like a young Ric Flair. If that was my picture, it would be my profile pic, and everywhere I would walk, I would go, woo, everywhere, like everywhere. I don't know if you guys have seen Jason Darling's high school pic. He looks like a professional wrestler. Here's, here's Leo and Jason. That could have been Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan right there. They both could have been in the WWE. But before we go completely off the rails today, it might have already gone off the rails today. Um, today's message is not geared towards the men. No, sir. No, sir. Today, it's all about the women. Can I hear the women this morning? Can I hear you? All right. Nice. Welcome to First Light South Portland Church, everyone. I'm so pumped up about this week because today we're continuing in this series called Man Versus Wife. And we just thought that, you know, these five Sundays around Valentine's Day was just a perfect time to look at the topic of love and relationships. So whether you're here today and you are married or you're here and you're single, the great news is the Bible has some incredible things to teach us when it comes to the topic of relationships, relationships with anyone, but especially love relationships in our life. And if it's your first time here today or first time back in a while, we're also glad that you're here too. You can catch up on anything you missed by going um, to our YouTube page at First Light South Portland on YouTube or going to our website at First Light. Dot love. But what we've been talking about is that marriage can sometimes be a fight. But in marriage or any relationship, we have a choice to make. We can choose, whether it's a relationship with our parents, a relationship with our children, with our grandchildren, we can choose to fight in that relationship or we can choose 
to fight for that relationship. And if we want to see any relationship in life go to the next level, what we've been talking about is we need to learn to start living like Jesus, to start taking the form of a servant, and to start focusing in on our responsibilities in a relationship rather than demanding our rights. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did our message geared towards the men. And we had some hard things to say to the men in this church about what it really means and what it really takes to become a man of God. And let me just say, I received a lot of encouragement about that message from the women, okay? Many of you ladies got really, really excited, and you received what God had to say about the changes the men in your life needed to make with great joy and enthusiasm. But let me warn you, that's probably not going to happen after today's message, Because today's message is going to be a challenge to all the women. In fact, I might disconnect my phone and internet this week. We'll see what happens. So let me start by setting some ground rules for the message today. Men, you may not want to amen too loudly during today's message. There are some aspects in today's message where you're really going to want to yell amen. You might want to jump to your feet and yell, preach it, pastor. You might want to do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you do it. You might get stabbed, okay? Ladies, here's your rule. Please don't argue with me in your mind throughout the entire message, thinking, yeah, pastor, but, but like, you don't understand, but you don't know my situation, but what about this, but what about that? Today, you need to not focus on your butt and instead focus on the message with an open mind and try to receive what God might be trying to communicate with you today, Okay? So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and head to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to hang out today. And if you're a church person, what we're going to talk about today, you may have never heard really addressed in church before. And here's why. I am sick and tired of women, and men too, by the way, who live like a victim, who, who live like because of what's happened to them in their history, in their past, that they're a victim. Let me tell you something this morning. If you're in Christ, you're not a victim. If you're in Jesus Christ, you are called to live in victory. And the lie that I think even the church may have kind of contributed to is that what happened to you is horrible and it's a part of who you are and that's who you're always gonna be. But the truth of the cross is that Christ Jesus can set you free from everything, including the pain of your past. And so my goal today is simply this, to help all of the women and the men of our church to stop going through life with a victim mentality and to instead start living in the victory of Christ. Because when you do that, you can truly start to step into the greater life that God has planned for you and to become the woman of God that he is calling you to be. Now, women, have you ever noticed it's incredibly easy to feel better about yourself if you simply focus on somebody else? Have you ever noticed that? One of the places that I sometimes like taking my family on vacation is a place called Great Wolf Lodge. Great Wolf Lodge. Have you ever been there? It's like a hotel slash indoor water park, and my kids, like, love it. But when you enter the water park at a Great Wolf Lodge, it is awesome. It is unbelievable. There are slides, a wave pool, lazy river. 
At some of the locations, they even have like virtual surfing. And, and I'll be completely honest with you guys. I am not the most secure man in the world when it comes to taking my shirt off in public, okay? I'm no Pastor Leo Matthew, okay? And, and, and can I just say, by the way, that was an amazing photo, Leo. Thank you, Kate, for that, okay? But, but see, I don't have a great physique like old school Leo. In fact, if I were to take my shirt off, most of you wouldn't notice because it would look like I was still wearing a sweater, okay? I might be a distant relative of Chewbacca. It might be possible. If I'm playing a game of pickup basketball and there's shirts and skins, I'm always on team shirt, always. I was the guy who would show up in high school at a pool party wearing a suit, not a bathing suit, like a full suit and tie suit just so I didn't have to get in the pool. So I'm there at Great Wolf Lodge, and there are literally hundreds of people there. But as I look around the water park at all the middle-aged men walking around with their children as well, all of a sudden it dawns on me, I don't feel so bad taking my shirt off in this place, okay? I mean, I still got a bit of fluff around the midsection, but that guy over there hasn't seen his toes in years, all right? And I might have a hairy chest, but that dude over there has a forest literally growing on his back. And, and, and I'm losing a little bit of hair, but there's Professor X. Like, that's what I'm, and, and don't, don't judge me because you guys all do the same thing at a water park. You can always find somebody who looks worse than you at a water park. And so I left Great Wolf Lodge that day feeling pretty good about myself because I was comparing myself to others. And, and there's some married women here today, and you feel pretty good about yourself because the focus of your marriage is you constantly pointing out the imperfections of your husband. And if you want to focus on his imperfections, it is really easy for you to feel good about yourself. And don't even start by telling me, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I married a man who's weird. I know he's weird. He's a man, okay? I'm a man. I'm the first to admit we are weird creatures. Like women have asked me, why do men watch ESPN Classic? They're watching a football game from 20 years ago that they already know the results of. Happened to me a few years ago. I was watching a game from 1988, Super Bowl XXII, between my childhood team, the no longer existing Washington Redskins, and the Denver Broncos, where Doug Williams became the first black quarterback to lead his team to a Super Bowl victory and scored five touchdowns in one quarter against Hall of Famer John Elway and the Broncos. And Julie kept calling me from upstairs, probably to put the kids to bed or pray with them or something like that. And she's like, AJ, come upstairs. And I was like, wait a second, he's gonna throw another touchdown. And she was like, who cares? You know what's going to happen. And I was like, listen, woman, you need to back off. It's been 30 years since I've seen my team throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Let me have this, okay? Men are just weird. We're weird. We will pour deer pee on ourselves and sit in a tree for hours. Men fart out loud and brag about it. I don't know many women who do that. Stop pointing at your wife, sir, Okay? Men will go into a bathroom, literally destroy it, and then come out and announce it as a badge of honor to all the other men in the room. Nobody better go in there for a while, just blew that thing up, high five, Bob, you're the man. You know why you guys are laughing right now? Because I'm speaking truth this morning. 
I have never in my life met a woman who came out of the bathroom, went to all her girlfriends, and said, I just blew it up in there and started high-fiving all of them. So look, I know we're weird. I know we're weird. But women, if you spend your time focusing on his imperfections, sure, you can feel great about yourself. But if you want to switch the focus from fighting in your marriage to fighting for your marriage, then the prayer you need to pray is, not Jesus refine him, but Lord refine me. Mold me, make me into the woman of God that you're calling me to be. So my prayer today is that God will convict some of our incredible women here to stop comparing themselves to their husband, but instead to look within their own heart and ask God to do a work in you so that you can step into the greater things that he has for you and truly become the woman of God he's calling you to be. So today we're going to look through the lens of scripture and we're going to examine three words, three words, three simple words that every woman of God needs to understand. Let's start with a real easy one. Number one, submission. Every woman just got real tense in the room. Aren't there just some words that you hate? For me, I remember the the 1988 song, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. Do you guys remember that? Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Here's the deal. Some of you, it's now in your head. You're welcome. You're going to have that stuck in there. We've been talking with our our students in Fuse. Um, When you get a song stuck in your head, it's called an earwig. When that happens, you're going to be in bed tonight going, I hate Pastor AJ. I can't fall asleep with this song in my head. And to that, I would just say, don't worry, be happy, okay? But there are certain songs that can drive us nuts, certain commercials, certain words. And women, for some of you, submission is one of those words. And here's why. I think we as a church have done a terrible job presenting the theology behind this word. It's been terribly misused and misunderstood. But when you understand this word from a biblical context, it is actually like one of the most freeing words in life. And so let's dive in. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, we'll throw it on the screens as well. Here's what it says. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Let me stop there. Now, some women will argue, and they'll be like, well, my husband's not a Christian. If he was a godly man, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago, then I would probably be fine submitting to him. But since he's not a Christian, I should get a pass. Well, let's keep reading that verse. 1 Peter 3, 1, it actually says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. But by the way, if if you're a woman whose husband doesn't come to church or doesn't come to church a lot, and you're always telling him how sorry he is because he doesn't come to church, that's probably not going to win him towards a relationship with Christ. The Bible says they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. It's actually about godly submission. And the first area of godly submission in your life is your submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Submission in this context literally means that you are living your life all in with God, like all in as a follower of Jesus, that the relationship between you and God comes before all other relationships in your life. The idea that I prayed a prayer or did a ritual to save me from hell 
and got some fire insurance and now I can live however I want is a completely foreign idea in Scripture. Being a follower of Jesus means recognizing that his sacrifice on the cross was the payment for your sin, that he purchased your freedom with his very life. And so now you're choosing to live out a love relationship with him as his follower forever. So the first part of submission is submitting your life to Jesus. The second part of biblical submission is to your husband. Now I want to stop and talk to the men for a quick second. Some of the men are like, "Uh uh-oh, I thought this message was geared towards the women. It is. But men, our responsibility is to make it as easy as possible for our wives to submit to our spiritual leadership. As we said last week, every man in here will one day be held accountable to God for how you treated your wife and how you treated your children and how you led them or failed to lead them towards a relationship with God. Men, submission doesn't mean that God just has given you spiritual authority. He's given you responsibility. We are not more important than our wives. She is our equal. We don't rule over her and sit in a recliner watching Sports Center demanding nachos. Scripture clearly says we are co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. But men, we are called by God to be spiritual leaders in our home. And one day, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to be held accountable for if we did or didn't do that. And for many, many, many men, that will be a rough, rough day. And women, on that day, you'll be able to stand there and say, I told him, God, he didn't listen. Light him up. Please don't do that, by the way. But men, when we're submitted to Jesus and we're doing what Scripture says, we're loving her the way Christ loves his church, it makes it very easy for our wives to trust our spiritual leadership. Single women, it does not say in Scripture, girlfriends, submit to your boyfriends. I just want to point that out to you. I've seen so many single women get into relationships with pathologically controlling men. And they let him tell them what to wear and who they can be friends with, and they control every aspect of their life. I dare a guy to roll up to my house and tell one of my daughters what to do. First of all, they wouldn't stand for it. Second of all, I got three acres of wood, and I know how to dig a hole, okay? And women, biblical submission to your spouse doesn't mean you're stupid. In fact, most women I know are smarter than their husbands. It's true. My wife, Julie, is smarter than me. She got straight A's in a combined graduate master's degree program while having our first two children. She's flipping brilliant. Every major life decision we've ever had to make since we got married, I've gone to her, and God has often used her wisdom and her insight to protect and save our family from danger. But oftentimes, she will say to me, I trust you. Julie, I think we need to sponsor this kid to go to teen camp. Okay, I trust you. We can do that. Or we need to help this family in need. I trust you. Let's do that. I trust God is speaking to you. Men, I don't make major, major decisions in our family without talking to my wife and listening to what she has to say. Last thing on submission. Women, submission doesn't make you weak. 
1 Peter 3 starts out with the words, wives in the same way submit. And you might be asking, in the same way? In the same way as what? What are you talking about in the same way? Well, in 1 Peter 2.23, Peter tells us, this is what he writes. He says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus was not weak, yet he submitted himself in the most difficult of circumstances. Jesus accomplished a lot on this planet as the roaring lion of Judah, but he paid for our sins and he saved the world as a submitted lamb of God. Submission is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. And again, women, submission doesn't mean that you remain in an abusive relationship. Let me make that crystal clear this morning. God didn't create you to be a punching bag for any man. And if you're in that situation, I just want you to know your church can help. You let us know. You won't be homeless and you won't go hungry. And if you're a man here who's laying hands on a woman in your life, you're weak and you need help. And if that makes you mad, come see me after church. We'll have a conversation about your anger issues. And if you think you can take me, there are a couple guys in this church who are barely saved. They would love to have a conversation with you. You need help. Get counseling. Get help. Number two, purity. Purity. I got to be honest. Um, I, I think talking to women about purity is a little weird for me. I can talk to guys about purity all day long. Stop looking at porn. Don't sleep with someone you're not married to. Stop looking at porn. With women it's often a little bit more subtle. Like, there's stories about, like, the immoral woman, and, you know, she gets on an elevator with a married guy, and he says, what floor are you going to? And she says, what floor are you going to, big boy? Like, that's never happened to me. In fact, 24 years of marriage, I've been hit on, like, heavily flirted with, like, five times in, like, a quarter of a century. And only twice was it a woman. I don't know what kind of vibes I'm throwing out. I don't want to be flirted with by anyone, okay, simply because I'm a married man. I don't want women flirting with me. I don't want men flirting with me. I don't want your evil cat rubbing against my leg when I come for a home visit. I don't want any of that. But women, I, I want to talk with you about this because I think, I think women struggle with this just like men struggle with this. I think sometimes it just presents differently for some women. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 3, 2. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Peter says that an unbelieving person can be potentially directed towards God by your behavior and the purity seen in it. So women, are you pure in your motives towards your husband? How do you use your words with the man in your life? Are you constantly the one who yells at him? Well, I just get emotional. No, we've talked about that. That's wicked and sinful. Some of you get passive aggressive. Hey, honey, what's wrong? And you give them the silent treatment. Is everything okay? Are you all right? Is anything wrong? Nothing's wrong. Are you sure? Because I, I feel in my spirit there's something bothering you. I'm fine. Well, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. It makes you a liar. 
And Satan is the father of lies. So you're actually allowing him to have influence in your relationship and in your marriage. How are you using your words? Are your motives pure? What do you say about your spouse to other people? For example, let's say he, he did something stupid. He's a man. Stupid happens, okay? But then you run to your women's group or you pick up the phone and you call your sister or you call your mother and you say, let me tell you what dummy did this time. Later, you guys make up, but you have poisoned his name and you have poisoned him to people around you. How do you talk about your husband to your children? How do you communicate about their dad? One of the things I love about my wife, she constantly builds me up to our children. I'm leaving for a meeting at church, and my four-year-old son is crying for me not to go. And Julie's like, it's okay, Lincoln. Mom's here. And Dad's working so hard for God and for our family. Let's pray for him right now that he has a good meeting. That's priceless to me that she does that. Let's talk about social media. Some of you just got nervous. You're updating your account right now. Listen, I'm not anti-social media. Some of you are thinking, uh-oh, the pastor's going to challenge us to give up our phones. We can't go see movies. We're going to have to trade our cars in for horses, and pretty soon we'll be churning butter. I knew this would happen if I went to church. No. I'm not anti-technology. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I've noticed in my 25 years now in pastoral ministry and doing counseling for many of those years. For my first 10 years as a pastor, 95% of the time, I saw infidelity in a marriage. It was the man, and he was a dog. But I noticed a changing trend about 15 years ago. More women in society and also in the church started having affairs. And most of those cases could be traced back to social media like Facebook. A woman would start to lose emotional connection with her husband and then she reconnects with a guy or an old flame or someone from church, and they start to have online conversations, and then they start to do private messaging. And online conversations between two people of the opposite sex can get emotional and intimate like that, like that. And it becomes an emotional affair through a computer screen or through a cell phone that she will even sacrifice her family to meet that emotional need. And if that's you right now, you need to stop and repent and turn back to God. Some of you have unrealistic expectations for your husband. You watch shows like The Bachelor and you think, oh, that guy's so perfect. Of course he's perfect. He doesn't have a job. If your husband didn't have a job, had an entourage that picked out his wardrobe, helped him work out four hours a day, and told him what to say to you through an in-ear microphone, he would seem perfect too. And let me tell you something today, women. If you're waiting and looking for the perfect man, you will find him standing right between the unicorn and the leprechaun. That's where he'll be found. If perfection is your expectation for the man in your life, you will crush him because he's not God and he can't stand under the weight of that. So instead of trying to find the right one, I'd like to challenge every woman in here today to instead ask this question. How can I become the right one? How can I become the right one? How can I strive for purity 
and becoming the woman that God is calling me to be. How can I do that? Number three, beauty, beauty. Most women don't feel beautiful most of the time. Like in my opinion, my wife is the most beautiful woman I've ever known and I try to tell her all the time. The other day I said, Julie, you're beautiful. You know what she said to me? I'm glad you feel that way. I was like, really, who pooped in your coffee this morning? Finally, I was like, did I do something to upset you? Have I forgotten the anniversary or something? She turned to me with a heartbreaking expression on her face, tears welling up in her eyes, and she said, I just don't feel very beautiful today. See, men, we don't struggle with that as much. Never in my life have I rolled up on a guy who was with his head down, sobbing softly, and I was like, dude, what's wrong? And he looked up and he said, man, I just don't feel beautiful today. I've never seen that. Maybe he's out there. But women, a lot of you, even today, you look beautiful. I watched many of you walk in today. There are beautiful women in this church. You look beautiful, but many of you don't feel beautiful. And I think there are two big reasons, two big reasons why you don't feel beautiful. Number one, I think you compare yourself to unrealistic standards. I think you compare yourself to unrealistic standards. The world is constantly hitting you with advertisements, TV, media, magazines of these beautiful, beautiful people. Why? Because beauty sells. It sells. The other day I saw a beautiful woman on television selling hemorrhoid cream. I was like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful and has hemorrhoids. I feel bad for her. Everywhere you go, women, you are bombarded with unrealistic images of beauty. You're in line at Walmart and you see a magazine and in your mind you're like, I'm never going to be as good as that. But guess what? It's a lie. Because she's not even real. She was photoshopped and airbrushed to make it to the cover of that magazine. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 says this. For some of you, this needs to be like a memory verse in your life. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. The Bible teaches that true beauty comes from the inside. Women, stop comparing yourselves to false standards. The second reason I think many women don't feel beautiful is this. Number two, because of your past, because of your past. A lot of women find their identity in their past. For some of you, this is where the enemy attacks you all the time. He constantly reminds you of your past, saying you're not good enough. My prayer is that every woman here, that you would change from finding your identity in your past to finding your identity in your relationship with your Savior, Jesus. Because Jesus will overcome your past every time. Every time. And here's the truth. In Christ, you're both valuable and beautiful. Valuable and beautiful. Last verse today, and then we'll end. Psalm 45.10. Here's what it says. Listen, O daughter. Consider and hear and give ear. Forget your people in your father's house. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Every woman in here, look up right now. Look up here right now. I don't want you to miss this. 
The king is enthralled with your beauty. The king of the universe is enthralled with your beauty. He is captivated by your beauty. Now, some of you might push back. Well, that's all well and good, AJ, but I'm divorced. I'm a single parent. I've had a sexually promiscuous past. I was abused. I was assaulted. I'm damaged goods. I don't deserve good things. Listen here, O daughter of God. The king is enthralled with your beauty. If you're a Christian, you are a new creation, a child of God, and he is enthralled by your beauty. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, he loves you. He sees the potential for your life. If you'll just run into his arms, he wants to adopt you into his family. He's enthralled by your beauty. So let me just say this for every woman here today who doesn't feel beautiful and who maybe feels haunted by her past. Here's the good news. Jesus wants you. He wants you. To him, you're valuable, you're precious, you're worth the pursuit. And you can be made whole and your scars can find healing through a personal relationship with him. And so again, my prayer is that everyone listening today, but especially our women, would come to embrace this incredible truth that no matter what you've done, no matter your past, you have a God who loves you, who's pursuing you, and who's fighting for your heart. Can we pray this morning, church? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I, I know this isn't the easiest of messages, and I know it's going to land in a lot of different places for people here today. But God, first and foremost, I just pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard here today. And that God, you would give us the courage to take action, to make a course correction in life if we need to, so that we can step into the greater story, the greater plans you have for us. So maybe there was, a, maybe there was someone here today and, and they struggled in one of these different areas. Maybe it was submission. Maybe it was surrendering to you, God, first and foremost. Maybe it was an aspect of purity. Maybe it was with beauty, with this issue of self-worth and self-identity. God, I pray that you would begin to do the healing work needed to help make a change. Maybe there was someone in here this morning and maybe for the first time, this incredible, incredible truth that there is a God who when he looks at you, he is enthralled by your beauty. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you from now into eternity. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to willingly die on a cross to pay the price for all your wrongs, all your sins, for your broken past, to pay for all of it so that you could be restored and have a relationship with him. 
And so if you're here today and you would say, if there's a God who loves me like that, a God who calls me his child, his daughter, his son, that's a God I want to follow. If that's you today, I want to give you just a moment to respond. And if you can just be bold enough to maybe just lift a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need a relationship with a God like that. Would you just be bold? Five seconds of boldness. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life today. I believe this is the greatest decision anybody can make in their entire life. And I know for me, it was when I was a freshman in high school and I finally responded to that. And I said, God, if you love me like that, I'm in. So I'll ask one more time. Is there anybody here today and you need Jesus in your life you're ready for that relationship. Let me pray for you guys this morning. Maybe there's someone watching at home or someone here who didn't lift a hand, but in their heart right now, man, feels like it's about to pound out of your chest. He's listening. He's a God who loves you and he's available anytime, anywhere for you to communicate about anything. So if we just pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God like that. Thank you for being a God who loves me. Thank you for being a God who's willing to meet me right where I'm at. God, I'm not perfect. In fact, I've messed up a lot in my life. But God, today, I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done. And I want to place it on my Savior, Jesus, and what he's done for me. I believe that you love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. I also believe he's the son of God. And he rose from the grave. and has victory over sin and death. God, for the rest of my life, help me to walk in a relationship with with you, a personal relationship with you, day by day, step by step. Help me to know what that looks like. I love you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name.